It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today's podcast is with a guy who is uh, somewhat of a contradiction. He pairs two worlds that many people don't assume go together. Country and city, nature and technology, rodeo and Facebook. He blends the mythology of the cowboy with the tech smarts of the YouTuber. He is a cowboy in the age of TikTok, which is so bizarre. It's like John Wayne with Snapchat, you know, a rancher and YouTuber. He has a LinkedIn profile. He's a very smart, savvy businessman. He's also the star of the Netflix original series, How to Be a Cowboy. If you haven't seen it, it is well worth checking out. It is wholesome, entertaining, and fun. And it is a show with American values. And one of the few reasons left to have a Netflix account, if you're looking for American values. Um, he, 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 some would say he's unflappable. He's smooth, you know, the strong, silent type. But he's really not actually very silent. Um, he's a role model in a time of glorified supervillains. He is a, a strong man in the area of weakness. I think he's very, very funny. Uh, I think you're going to see a side of him that you haven't necessarily seen before. I don't think he's a contradiction. Um, but, you know, he runs cows and then tweets about Jesus. Uh, when he isn't riding bulls or birthing calves, he's coming up for ideas of his clothing line. He's a busy man. Gets up 4.30 in the morning to maintain the Radiator Ranch, the largest ranch in Texas. Don't fact check that because it's... Anyway, please, please welcome the greatest bull rider of all time, Dale Brisby. You know, it's sad if I asked you what the leading cause of death is in the U.S. and the world, people would say cancer... It's not. It's abortion. Since Roe versus Wade, over 63 million babies have been aborted in the U.S. That's one in four pregnancies that don't choose life. In the midst of this epidemic and tragedy, we can do something about it. We have partnered here at The Blaze with the Ministry of Preborn. They sat in my office a few months ago and I said, let's rescue babies. Let's rescue babies. Let's do something that people, um, you know, don't. They're uncomfortable talking about in the media, et cetera, et cetera. They are the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. They are the largest provider of ultrasounds, free ultrasounds in the U.S. They let women see their baby on an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat. When she does, she's 80 percent more likely to choose life for her baby. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion, and they also have a passion to see people find the peace of Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled 340,000 women considering abortion. 169 babies are alive today because of that. So, will you help us? Because you're the hero of every preborn baby in this nation, and um, uh, you're an ambassador for eternal life, every mom, dad, and family. What I'd like you to do is uh, help us by donating. At pound 250, say the keyword baby, that's pound 250, 
Get involved. Find out about it. Do what you can. How many babies can you and your family circle save? Preborn.com slash Glenn. Welcome, Dale. Glad to be here. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, I don't think I've seen a hat quite like that. It's a little fuzzy. It looks like... Um, Looks like one of those old 70s pimp hats, but I'm sure it's not made out of the same fabric as that. I mean, it's a cowboy version of, of that. But it was made at the same time. It's an old school hat. Is it? Yes. 1970s? Uh, yes. Uh, my brother says it's corn dog color. And, uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. I've never seen one like it. American Hat Company. They're right here in Texas. They made it for me, but it's, it's, a, it's a body from the 70s. Really? Yeah. Kind of the uh, uh, what is it? Is it is it beaver felt? What is it? What's it made out of? Y- yes. Yeah. So it's it's like from the uh, um, kind of the urban cowboy era. Yeah. That's that's yeah. my style. Yeah. You I remember know. that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. John Travolta. Yeah. Um, which is because you're a real cowboy. I mean, you're not a. You right. know, we make I, a lot of jokes, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I own a ranch, but I am, you know. All hat, no cattle, pretty much. There I, mean, you go. I, don't, I am not. Other people are like, yes, sir. we got to move the cows. And I'm like, I'm going to stand here and watch right. you do it. Let's call somebody. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, to be a cowboy is that is a different, hard and dangerous life. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. But um, I was kind of born into it. So I, I don't really I've never really known any other life outside of it personally. So it, it, it is dangerous. I mean, last night we were bucking bulls, bucking horses just at my house, you know, and then we just get done, wipe off our hands like, all right, let's go eat. Yeah, just, it's just kind of an everyday so, thing. I mean, how do you, I got to believe that if you're, if you're riding bulls, you don't have a good back very long. No, yeah. I've actually had two back surgeries. <laughs> have you so really? it's Because of that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So I've, I've had, I just, I'm recovering from a collarbone surgery. Um, surgery on my hand, surgery on my face. From, from what? From all from riding? Yes, sir. So, well, mostly from rodeo. So in rodeo arena, there's two areas. There's rough stock and timed events. So the timed events are the roping events, like team Correct. roping, uh, where the rough stock Amazing. is uh, bareback, saddle bronc, bull riding, and bullfighting. The, what the bullfighters do and so the spanish bullfighters no like they'll just go in and distract the bull while the bull rider like a rodeo clown okay okay, okay. Maybe yeah, i've seen that okay so i grew up completely on the rough stock into the arena so we did cowboy like when i was born like um i was born my dad worked on the pitchfork ranch mm-hmm. it's right next to the four sixes that a lot of people are hearing about today yeah um so we grew up cowboying but he was also a rough stock you know rodeo cowboy and so we were all, I mean, like that was just second nature for us to. Your dad die on a, on a bull? Uh, well, he was a, when, when he passed, he was a pickup man. Um, Which he means did, what? So when you get on a, like a, a bucking horse, mm-hmm. you don't always just jump off. If you make a successful ride. Oh yeah. Somebody comes and rides somebody, and grabs you. So that's what he was doing. Okay. And um, it was about eight years ago. He was. 55 and he he had a heart attack oh. he was horseback it was i'm sorry yeah may 2nd 2013 but um, it is but that's I how lost, he, i lost my dad around the same time and it's, oh really yeah there's there's i don't know 
I mean, I lost my mom when I was young, and that made a huge impact. But there's something for guys when you lose your dad. It's yeah, just sure. you just lose a you just lose like one of the points on your compass in a way. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. The oh, one that you can man. call and go. Can you recalibrate? It me? is. It's crazy that you phrase it like that. You know, like in 2020, 2021, I've had to because both my granddads have passed too. So mm. it's kind of being the oldest son in the family i've now become the patriarch of sorts and it's then weird isn't it having employees like now all of a sudden having to navigate this world that we're in i'm now looked upon by you know dozens of people and it's heavy it is back you know when he was alive it was well i'll just default to whatever he does right you know right and uh and so how many now times do you think what would my dad be doing oh my gosh every day yeah but it's really even just with not only with what I see going on in the world, but also just business and relationships yeah. and um, but the stuff going on in the world is probably what's probably put the most stress on. And, and of course, everybody's going through you're going through it. I mean, everybody's, everybody's going through, going it, through so. it. Everybody's going through it. Um, and it's it's insane. I, I don't know how you got onto Netflix. I mean, honestly, because I mean, what you stand for, your lifetime entertainment and everything else. But you're still very american and uh not hanging out with the hollywood crowd yes sir <laughs> yeah you know I've, i'm just one day at a time and it it kind of I, th- I think one of the reasons why you know there were a lot of networks interested in that show they're still interested in that show um you know not just netflix um and i think the cowboy way of life is something sought after by a lot of people I think I, I think um, Yellowstone to me is a confusing show yeah. uh, because I find myself going, yeah, that's the way they should have handled him. And you're like, wait, no, that's wrong. Right. But there's something about right and wrong, knowing what it is, and they clearly don't know what it is in many ways. But this look, this this has to be dealt with. Right uh-huh. now, no politics, no bullcrap. Let's right. fix this because all of us here know what's right and wrong. You know right. what I mean? And again, they go way over the wrong side. But um, it's really it's refreshing and confusing at the same time. Do you yes, agree sir. with that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's you know when somebody has a code, when somebody has you know a line that they're there. There's times when it's it's an easy black and white, yeah. but there's other times when it's it's not so easy to make those decisions. And when you're able to watch somebody, whether it's on social media or on Paramount, you know Netflix, what have you, then you know and it it just it's refreshing to know that there's people out there that do have a code and um, they're going to stick Who by. Who do you look and, to for code? Who's who's got a code? You know it's crazy, like. I've got I've got questions in the back of my mind for you selfishly. <laughs> you know, I went Monday I was on Marcus Latrell's podcast and and we need to make an entertaining podcast for yeah. but during that podcast with him I'm asking him questions like because I'm thinking I literally thought my dad would probably have the same thought as this man, you know, Marcus. Yeah. So like I'm asking him questions yeah. and I'm hanging on every word. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Got, I've got kind of a council of guys that very that I good. think are wise that, but, but then I'll soak up 
moments like this right here where I can get some wisdom from someone. Well, who's, likewise, so we're both looking for the same thing. A um, good friend of mine who was one of the most ethical men I've ever met. He, he actually worked in the Nixon White House and was the only one that no one interviewed because they were all like, he and I got to do anything. Right. Everybody else was interviewed. Um, but uh, uh, he came into my office one time and he said, where are all the pictures of your heroes? And I said, what? And he said, Glenn, you're moving in a fast world. He said, pick your top five people for the traits you want and put them on your desk. Yes, sir. He said, because when you're having to make snap decisions, that's your counsel. Yes, sir. You know them. Yes, sir. What would they do? And I've done that, and it's really quite helpful. Uh, yes, sir. I definitely have like a version of that for sure. You know, like with each area of my life, for instance, the fundamentals of bull riding. You know, I'm going to talk to J.B. Moon. You know, I, I mm-hmm. happen to be the greatest of all time, so I, I'm <laughs> teaching J.B. But, sure, you know, course. if I did yeah. have a question, that's who right. I would call. Right. If it's, uh, it, you know, my dad and my granddad were two separate, completely different people. Um, Difference? My mom's dad. So my dad, when he passed, he had $800 in his account. And we split it four ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't have traded it for any amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have any debt either, so that was mm-hmm. great. But I'm saying, like, he was a cowboy. And if you look through the lens of money, you wouldn't call him successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, my granddad, on the other hand, he, you know, heck, it might have gone to the church. I don't know. But he, he died with a different – he was a businessman. And he wasn't a cowboy. But And so I wouldn't tip a waitress without asking him, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't buy a truck, make an offer. He really taught me how to wheel and deal. My dad, however, like, he taught me how to be a man, I believe. I know I don't look like it. Uh, It's only because I'm so much fat. But I've actually lost 12 pounds. And one of the reasons that is happening is because I have built bars. Uh, (laughs) I hate eating healthy. I hate it. Um, I like all the things that are bad for me. My wife tried to get me to eat this and say, you know, you don't have to have a candy bar. And I'm like, yes, I do. And she's like, these are really good. And I'm like, mm, doubt, doubt it. And she'd eat them. But she's healthy and she does stuff like that. I don't. Uh, I've been eating them now for about two years. And I may have eaten more than you should. But it was like the same calorie five bars like the same calories as m&ms i'm just saying honey anyway there are 130 calories there are only four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs 17 grams of protein they're made with a hundred percent real chocolate and they have amazing flavors that you're going to love mint brownie is my favorite Mm -hmm. coconut chocolate You'll find your own flavor. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code BEC15. 15% off now at Built.com. So tell me, I mean, it's weird. I'm asking this question with a guy because I would think cowboys would take their glasses off. And I know you never do. Um, (laughs) Just out of politeness so you could see your eyes. Um, What is a cowboy? Because there is, I mean, when you meet one. You know, you know, um, another mentor of mine in this industry, his name's Cody Johnson. He's a, a, a singer and he uh, he said he was talking to the guy that wrote the biography for Chris Ledoux. Mm-hmm. Chris Ledoux is a cowboy, bareback rider, country singer. He mm-hmm. passed of cancer. But 
the guy writing the biography, Cody, asked him, like, what's the one thing you wished you would have put in that book that you didn't? And he said it was Chris's definition of a cowboy, and that's let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Chris Ledoux's definition of a cowboy, and, and that's always stuck with me. You know, there's, there's, uh, there are traits of a, if you're looking for a cowboy that can literally get the cows caught – and we can talk about that, you know, which of which I am the best. <laughs> but then there's other traits where you're dang right, Marcus Luttrell is a cowboy. Yeah, you, you bet. know, like you bet. He's act. He can actually also get the cows caught. But, yeah, he can do a lot of things. Right, he can do a lot of things. <laughs> but there is um. That's why I, I mean I pine for my ranch because I'm surrounded by farmers and cowboys. Yes, sir. And they understand community and they understand failure. Yes, sir. You know, cause they all fail at some point. And then they understand the community. Cause if you failed, you're going to help them that year. Cause they're failing. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Cause we're all in it together and their word is cowboy right. contract, man. Yes, sir. Handshake. And, and you know, there's all, there's, there's rats in every industry. Sure, sure, sure. One thing that, you know, Yellowstone is kind of helping with is, 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 uh, I, th- I think is showing that there's more to, I mean, running a ranch is like running a business and you've got your, your upper level management that's got to make these decisions and have the cognitive power to see what's going on, make it, you know, profitable mm-hmm. and, uh, see the future. You've got people that manage people that, um, need to be good with those people and making decisions. And then you've got the technical guys that they're really there for the neck down and they need to be able to rope that calf right now. And, um, it's just like any other business where you've got those three levels and people just think we're all here, you know, dipping tobacco and kicking animals. And that's not the case. That's not the case. My neighbor has, uh, I think two or 3000 Buffalo. And first of all, it will make you want to go back in time and see when it was 20,000 or 30,000 coming. Yes, sir. Because 2,500 Buffalo coming your way, you hear it before you see it oh, yeah. and you see the smoke, you know, the dust rising up. I mean, it's a powerful experience. But as I'm there and I'm with the owner and some other people and my wife and kids, and we're all in the bed of the truck, okay, we went parked. And then they had, you know, they started spraying food. So the buffalo are coming running and we stay in the bed of the truck. Right. Well, they surround the truck. And there was one cowboy who just kept walking around the truck. And I watched him. I mean, he was communicating with them. Right. And, you know, buffalo are like any big animal. They'll kill you. Yeah, they're pretty mean. Yeah, and they would come towards and he would look at them and move towards them like this is my herd. Yes, sir. You'll protect yours, I'm protecting mine. And it was fascinating to watch because if he wasn't there, they would have come yeah, towards us. Yeah, they just kind of run all yeah. over you. Yeah. yeah. No, there's the same way with when guys are interacting with for instance bucking bulls. You know, and you can kind of teach a bull the the way you know, if you climb on the fence and you're constantly on the fence when you're handling a bucking bull, you know, it'll teach him to be mean and then he'll start running you up the fence. Whereas uh. if you kind of handle and you got to watch, you know, you got to watch your six. You don't just turn your back on him. Right. You know, because some of them won't care. Oh, yeah. But it's just interesting to see, you know, in the arena, they know they know to turn it on. It's like, you know, they enjoy it. You know, you can't make these animals do anything. You, you believe that? Because my daughter, she loves animals and everything else. We go to a rodeo and she's like, 
dad, this is so cruel. And I'm like, no, if, it's it's a it's part of life. And do you think the animal activists would not have video everywhere if they were beating these animals? Like I said, uh, maybe you can find an exception. But as far like some of these bulls and horses are worth 50, 60, 100 thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, take a horse, for instance, those that's an animal of flight. So if he's scared or if he's in pain, he's going to run. Right. So the flank and, and some of them are mares. They don't even have jelly beans. How are you going to tie it around their jelly? You know what I mean? Like you might have a mare bucking horse and, and uh, if she doesn't want to buck, she's going to run. So when you see her bucking, that means that that's in her DNA and, and they'll get stronger and better at it throughout their career. And the, it's like you feed them better and then they buck better. You know, mm. why would that be the case if they didn't want to do that? That, that flank is like tightening up your belt. Um, you know, but but like I said, there you, you can maybe go on the internet and find an exception, but yeah, there's can, rats in every industry. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But like, I don't know any of them personally. Yeah, we love our animals, and uh, and like, when you see when you see horses, I mean, I am I <laughs> we were getting them all because they all our cattle stay up on the ranch, and then it gets too cold in the winter, so we have to truck them down to the yes, farm sir. right and uh so we're rounding them all up i don't know what the hell i'm doing and so everybody's just like just get in the rhino and just follow and uh rah, these two bulls they were not afraid of me at all and i'm like you know <laughs> right come on guys come on yeah. <laughs> nothing but these horses and the cowboys those horses are amazing right. and it looks like if you could talk to them it looks like this is great fun for them. Absolutely. The way they move and they anticipate. I mean, it's, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. And, and, and that might be one of the things, for instance, your daughter, she, she, she might be watching those animals and she's thinking in human terms, you know, like, so for somebody to rope one of us, you know, it, it's going to feel a certain way. Well, these animals, like, they'll stand outside in a hailstorm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, their, their pain tolerance, everything is completely different. You know, they'll get bit by a rattlesnake, a cow will on the jaw and you may not even know it. Six months later, she's fine. A human can't get bit on the bit by a rattlesnake and be fine. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyhow, I, th I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot in the Western world that is just a myth to people. And uh, so people make assumptions. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, uh, you know, Chris LeDuy had a song, You Just Can't See Us From The Road, and the internet has changed that. And so there's a huge interest in this industry, hence the show, hence my show, right. How To Be A Cowboy on Netflix. But do, and you think that's, do you think that's because of the, I mean, I don't watch Yellowstone. I watch Yellowstone partly because of the beauty. It's just such a beautiful place. But mainly I watch it just because it's like they speak my language. You know sure. what I mean? You know, not the killing part, but right. they just speak my language. I understand that world where I think there's well, they use a lot of hungry common sense. Yeah. You know, it's it's just like, OK, yeah, that that makes sense. Right. They're relatable. Right. Is what I, I believe is. And, that, and that's your everyday rancher is that way. For some reason, people just think to be a cowboy, you have to have an IQ that's, you know, below this or that, you know, and that's not the case. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever met a stupid cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a few out yeah, there, I'm sure but, there are. but the point uh, is, is like, it's just, you know, we're middle America, you know? 
Um, can we just talk? I mean, I don't even know if you can talk about this, but the meat thing. I mean, I was just in Colorado that what they're doing meat. for water. Yeah. Oh, uh, beef. Right. Yes, sir. Um, what they're doing for water. They're now saying in Colorado that water is a natural resource that belongs to the state and you can't even collect rainwater. Wow. That's insanity. Insanity. Um, The things that are happening all over the country are just killing our farmers and our ranchers. And then you have these four big companies who you cannot convince me they're not the mob. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yes. hundred percent. Just there. How can be? How can there be this much of a shortage? But when I personally take my calves to the sale barn, I'm getting pennies. You're getting pennies. I mean, pennies. that's the thing. Nobody understands it. I can't. I'm only keeping them because I can afford it. The average person can't. You can't raise your cows and and make and break even really at this. So my my whole program, how to be a cowboy. You know, it, it, you watch my interns, and I'll teach these guys. So because of that interest in this industry, people message me every day, 30, 40, 50, 100 messages a day. How do I get started ranching? You know, because I'm a quote unquote influencer in this. And so they'll come to me like, yeah, I want to have a family, want to have this, want to have that. You know, like, okay, well, did you inherit millions of dollars? Yeah. Because if not, like, you're not just going to buy land, buy cows and make a bunch of money. Doesn't work that way. I asked the guy who who runs my ranch, I said, uh, he said, you want to make a million dollars in this business? And I said, yeah. And he said, good, start with 10. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're, just, you're never going to, yeah. it's hard, hard work. But right now, everything is being stacked against, you know, I think they've made the decision that we're not going to eat meat unless you're very, very wealthy. Uh, well, you know, one of the, the people in my council, so to speak, you know, we were talking about just the, the state of the dollar and all that. And, and, and he said, you know, there will come a time when this country will apologize to those two producers in, in every industry, not mm-hmm. just the agriculture industry, but like, hey, guys, we're sorry. You don't have to do this, that or the other to do business. What can we do for you? You know, and, and I just hope that that time is sooner rather than later. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that's coming when it's just hopefully it'll become obvious. Like, hopefully it'll happen before we commit national suicide. That, exactly. You know, yes. Like, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. Where's America's bottom? Might be suicide. I hope not. I hope we come to our senses and go. Yeah. OK. OK. Yeah. Guys, sorry. I was at this wild party. I lost control. I vomited on everything. I'll clean it up. Hey, you remember when I said that thing? (laughs) I didn't mean that anymore. If you want to go back to feeding us, that would be great. Great. And we will respond in kind and say, you bet. But man, if we could just get a little help. If the last two years have taught us anything, it's that you have to take control of your own health. It is clear you can't rely on the government or big pharma to protect you and your family. I've never I've never seen anything happen in medicine where the doctors are like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, your lungs might collapse and you will cough blood out in maybe a week. But here, take some aspirin. Go home. Call me if it gets worse. That's insane. That's why I called um, uh, a doctor, a very famous doctor when I had covid. He's the guy who invented Z stack and it is a, a immune boosting supplement. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. And you, I mean, he'll give you the formula, but you can go to the, you know, buy a billion bottles 
or he has formulated this. His name is Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. He is a world-renowned doctor. President Trump credited him with the successful early treatment protocol and his decision to take hydroxychloroquine. But Z-Stack is what he's made, and it's been made scientifically. Um, it's all scientifically formulated. It is also kosher and GMP certified, and it's produced right here in America. I, again, take this every day. I, he became my doctor um, during my last bout with COVID, and I will tell you, I, uh, I want to say he healed me. He gave me the medicine that other doctors would not give. And he also explained why these things work together. And I've been taking his immune system, boosting the Z-Stack for, well, since I got sick. And I will take it every day till we pass this nonsense. ZStackLife.com slash Beck. Enter the promo code Beck. Get a discount off your first order. ZStackLife.com slash Beck. Promo code Beck. Part of the problem with our society is we don't know where our food came from. We have no idea. Right. No, it came from the store in a little tray. Which is okay if you'll just trust us. You know, like, it's, <laughs> it's safe right now. It's there. Like, just let us, you know, like, get somebody over here watching us that knows what they're doing. Don't make these decisions based on, I don't know. Like, I don't, it's just crazy to me. Like, cow farts, really? <laughs> you know? Really? Is that, are we talking about that? Yeah, we are. Are we really yeah. talking about, like, yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I really don't. And But it, it makes sense, like, as far as, like, in this, it's a chess game to them. Yeah. But, man, you're, you're playing with, like, people's livelihoods like and i'm not even talking about mine i'm talking about like people that need to eat what i'm producing right you know yeah and it's what's what's odd is i was talking to a guy whose father or grandfather was a rancher here turn of the century and uh he said then i'll show you pictures of dallas there's not a tree anywhere right he's like it might have well been kansas there was nothing here Uh all of this stuff all of the beautiful trees and everything else, for the most part here, has been brought in. Right. You know, it's been planted, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, that's not the message you get. We, man has come in and destroyed everything. Right. Yeah. I don't understand it. I, don't, I know that, like, where I'm at, out in, outside of city limits, you know, there's, there's just a certain way of life that it's, like people on in the news are telling me like how bad it is for this and that reason and how we're but like I'm not seeing it where I'm at. Like I I, that's just not. Yeah. That, maybe that's true for you in city limits, but I don't think that's it not is the case. Yeah. You know, like right here, like I I don't think that's anyway. We were, we were talking about this the other day, just on COVID. We live in Texas. We've been back to normal for a long time. Right. And you hear these people on TV. And you're like, really? Well, it's like, this is your life. You're still locked in. You still yeah. can't go places. You got to move past that. Yeah. I, well, it's like, who is getting affected then? Because it's not athletes. It's not celebrities. It's not, you know, like everything's fine except for us out here, you know, in the middle. Like, apparently, I don't understand. Like, I knew when he came on and said, Last summer, this past summer, he's like, we're not through this yet. It was just like a, a, it was like a wave of peace. I was just like, oh, snaps. That means we're through it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't mean to. I wasn't trying to be like no, that. I, know, I wasn't I trying, but it was just like, oh man, it yeah. was my. It was the first moment where I was like, man, we're through this thing. Yeah, you I know? think I think everybody. I mean, when you have real big, you know, liberal pundits who have been screaming <laughs> for you know practically internment camps, saying. It's wild. Enough. It's wild. It's crazy. Did you see the did you see the latest poll was 40% of the American populace now says if you're not getting your kids vaccinated, you should have your kids taken away from you. That I I saw that. Yes. That, and what is that? But at the same time, what year is it that we're allowed to see what it is in it? Like yeah. 2099 or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like when we're all dead, like, yeah. wait a second, wait a second. You're going to make me take it, but I, you can't even tell me what's in it. Yeah. And you, you, it's, it's alarming that it's one thing if you can't tell me what's in it, but it's another thing. if like, no, you we won't. know what's in it. We just won't tell you yeah. till 2099. I like, know. How do you make sense of that? What if I did that with my beef? Right. You know? What if you what? did that with Viagra? What if I did I have that? to watch this Viagra commercial where they're taking separate baths, which I don't even understand. Right. And then... In a 60-second commercial, <laughs> I have to hear about all of the side effects. No kidding. And worry about a, you know, what, four-hour, six-hour erection. I mean, I don't want to think about those things, but they make us think about and those things. A, and it's a rule. they got to have that. They the have to. That. Yeah. And yet, we can't even ask questions. Yeah. Side effects may include depression, yeah. suicide. Right. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to make sense of it. To be honest, like I'm just out here, I'm just receiving all this information. And I'm just trying to make sense of it as a, as an American, you know. The other thing I don't know what to do with is a dollar. That would that would be what my question for you is, just you know, from friend to friend, like think seriously, like, a, like think like a German Jew in 1935 or 38. You got to put it into something that holds its <clears throat> value. Uh huh. Um, I mean, you have meat. Um, but uh, put it in things, land. You know, I know people who have a lot of money. They've bought uh, really, really super classic cars mm-hmm. because they know, a, you know, 68 Mustang Shelby will always you bet. hold its value. Right. You know what I mean? Just find things that you know, like from food, uh, cigarettes, alcohol, all the way to art. Anything that is tangible uh-huh. that you know will never go out of style. You bet. You know what I mean? That it will always. A lot of people in Germany, in the end, they traded their art for their lives. They traded. Dang. Yeah. They, they traded. Dang. That's a heavy thought. It is. I mean, you know who Dave Rubin is? No, sir. No. So he's a big podcaster and he's Jewish. And I, he just moved out of California. And I said to him. Dave, I've never thought this way before, ever, but I think I can begin to understand how Jewish people didn't learn, leave Germany. That they were, they were demonized, they were called all kinds of names, people talked about putting them in camps, but you still think, that's ah, not going to happen. Right. At what point do you go, these people will do it. Did- have you ever read the book, uh, How Do You Kill 12 Million yeah. People? Andy Andrews. Yeah, Andy Andrews is great. So it's a short book. But yeah. It's like, how do you, literally, like, if you think about it, like, 11, 12 million people, that's, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. How do you, how do you kill them? Like, well, the, the, at, the, at the end of the book, it's spoiler alert, he <laughs> says you lie to them. Yeah. 
That was, that was like, and I read that book like ten years ago. That that really, and it stuck with me in the back of my head. But yeah, it, anyway. and that's what that's what's happening. Um, <clears throat> are you seeing people from like we used to be a group of people, and we'll never get back there unless we, you know, we used to say e pluribus unum, and uh, from many one. Yes, sir. and I always thought I never really understood. You know, I, I knew that phrase, but what was the unum and it's the bill of rights <laughs> if you don't agree with the bill of rights i can't talk to you about anything we have nothing in common um are you seeing people who have maybe voted differently or disagree on things have you started to see them at all start to shift and go you know i might be on the wrong side of the bill of rights here are you seeing any shift i think the shift is that it may not necessarily be people you know, it's hard for people to admit if they're wrong or right, but I think the shift is definitely that there's a lot more people being way more quiet than they were at a certain time, you know. Um, That's not helpful. You know, well, I'm saying, like, they're pretty loud about, I mean, like, how Before. did, right, like, how how has... We're definitely not in a better place than we were a year and a half, but there seem to be a whole lot less people... You know, as far like I'm saying, like things have gone a certain direction where you'd think everybody that was complaining would still be complaining, but like I don't know, like <clears throat> I what I I I feel like there's not a lot of hope right now, you know, just for for the everyday person, you know, as far as this country is concerned. So I feel that. Today, am I, am I right? Am no, I wrong? Yeah, no, like you're right. You you're like... absolutely right. Um, but I think the, because um, I feel that today, I just, I just, I read the news today. And it's just like, there's a noose that is around all of our necks. And it's just being tightened slowly, yeah. you know. And we're helping, well, not us, but the people we elected and the things that we've tolerated for so long. We're just, you know, how does a man go bankrupt? Very slowly. And then all of a sudden. Yes, sir. Um, How's this, how's this coming? Well, it's been very slow, but it's coming faster and faster every day. And, uh, but then I look at things like you called me and said, I'll take refugees. Yes, sir. You know, we never talked about that on the air or anything, but yep. you called and said, I want to help. Millions of Americans heard we have to leave those people there. Right. And we had no ability, no experience. We had nothing. And somebody just said, let's go get them. Let's yeah, go get go. them. Yep. And we did. Yes, sir. And I think all they need is the example of stop listening to the lies. Right. Stop listening to people who clearly are not doing things in your best interest telling you who you are and what you can do yep. that's just absolutely un-american and i lived through the carter years and that's the only thing that changed was ronald reagan came in and said you're not that we're this so i mean so what's the a guy like me you know i'm a cowboy i live in texas and I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to, you know, run a ranch. I'm trying to teach young people. What, what, what's, what's the next step? What's the solution? 
Like what? What do I do as a? For instance, I was talking about being the the, the, the patriarch of my family. If I've got, you know, fifteen, sixteen people looking to me as a leader, you know. So, <clears throat> first, lead by example. So, be the man you are always. Yes, Just, you know, I'm 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 adopting something I've heard a long time a long time ago, and I always thought it was pretty easy. It's not right now. It's not. So you have to really double down. Do the next right thing. Yes, sir. Whatever that is, just do the next right thing. Don't worry about the future. What is right right now? Not easy, not convenient, not popular, but what is right? Do that. And then do the next right thing. That's, that's really important. You have a different um, place because you're media and and uh, celebrity, and it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. It, it's different. Yes, yeah. Right. It's different. Uh, and it it plays. All, I know because I've gone through it. It plays all kinds of weird mind games with you, um, and uh, don't lose your soul. You yes, have right. an extra category. You don't bet. lose your soul. You start to want something quit yes yeah, sir you know I, what i mean a hundred percent no there's been opportunities to sell my soul for things oh and, yeah and like i just there's always I'm a buyer not gonna do it yeah you know i'm just there's i just i was and people for some reason like with what i do on social media and you know it's a it's a pretty replicatable thing you know mm-hmm. with social media there's fundamentals mm-hmm. building a business building an audience on social media you know essentially you bring value i do it through comedy and entertainment and uh, and then you you just replicate it rinse and repeat every day but um um there's there's shortcuts you know that that a guy Mm -hmm. could take but i just i've 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 adopted that and i'm not gonna sell my soul to make anyway people for some reason when they look at what i do they think it might be like a flash in the pan or whatnot of like with being on social media and so guys will come up to me that don't understand what i'm doing it's like what are you gonna do if this ends tomorrow and uh i was like well what are you gonna do if you get fired tomorrow you know and before before the first video like i was living in my sister's office doctoring yearlings for 12 dollars an hour and that's the happiest i've ever been so if 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 i get canceled for some reason and they turn the switch off you know hopefully i've made good decisions where at least when i got to go back to doing that i got better horses you know what i mean like i don't know like i'm my peace is determined by you know the lord not money um if you stay there because fame and fortune battery acid people all want it yes sir no you don't you really don't. Yeah, not it, necessarily. <laughs> it's a really high price. There's a reason you make so much money because you are trading something. You know what I mean? Whether that's time, privacy, or just the onslaught of whatever, you're trading that. That's one of the reasons they pay you a, a whole yes, lot of money because you, you, you will get into it and go, this isn't worth it. Yes, it's sir. not worth it. Um, but it's velvet handcuffs and once you start seeing what you can have, it will fade over time. It will change. I should say that it'll change. And that change might come in uncomfortable ways. And 
if that happens and you're not right with the Lord, you will st- you'll be like a man drowning yes, and you'll sir. grab for anything to keep your head above water and it, you will. Yes, sir. You'll you'll be a you'll you'll sell out fast and bad. <laughs> well, if, and I think a lot of people look at life through it, it sounds like this might be one of the points you're, you're, you're trying to make. But people when you look at life through the lens of money. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes you think that that might be the answer to a problem. But if there's ever been one millionaire commit suicide, then that's not true, which there have been. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and famous people and that just like why if that is the answer to the problem, why would they ever choose that route? You know, you are. You know, I just watched something on uh, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, it was a documentary. And um you know, he was a fascinating guy, fascinating um, and brilliant. I mean, I think Mickey Mouse is modeled on Charlie Chaplin. I mean, he changed everything. He was the most famous man in the entire world before fame was really like that. You know what I mean? Um, he came from nothing, lived in a one room apartment with his mom on a third story flat in London and bad section of town. She went nuts and it was just the two of them. And then he goes to, she goes to a sanitarium. He comes to America. He almost doesn't make it. You know, something happens as always does. And he hit fame that fast. And he was married four times. Highest paid actor or highest paid anybody by far for the time. Everyone knew his name. Everyone knew his name. All four of his wives said, he never believed that anyone would like him. He, they, he always said, why would anyone like me? He was the same scared kind of bully right. that he was as a kid, even with all that wealth. It doesn't, it, it, it'll make your life easier at times, but it doesn't change anything. Yes, sir. Nothing. No, no, it doesn't. It, no. If it does, it's usually in the wrong direction. Yeah, their problems are problems. Whether your bank account is full or whether it's you know, like it, it's what is it? Somebody, let's uh, say Joe Rogan podcast or something. A guy was saying, you know, a healthy man wants ten thousand things. A sick man wants one. Yeah. You know, and and no matter what you have, you know, like there's just. We rescued a bunch of Christians a few years ago in Iraq, and I went over, and uh, I was freaking out a little bit because ISIS knew that we were meeting these Christians in this church, and uh, and they were leaving the next day. We were ta- we were getting them and then taking them and flying them out, and ISIS uh, said, uh, "We know what you're doing and where you are to them." We know where you are. We know what you're doing. And at 8 p.m., we're going to blow up the church. Now, I take ISIS at their word. Okay. So did they. I arrived and it's like seven o'clock at night and the church is packed. And I'm really freaked out. And there you should be. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all in there going, we die. We die. We go to the Lord. Yes, sir. They had nothing they were being scared to death. They had, these were doctors and lawyers and successful people 
who literally were living in tents, you know, from the United Nations. You bet. Horrible. Yeah. They had nothing left to lose. Yeah, sure. And they knew the only thing that mattered was God. Right. It was one of the greatest groups of people I've ever been with. Well, if, if you think about like a lot of people, I think, chase happiness in this life. And, and, and the word happy is, is kind of, to me, it's tricky because happy is like circumstantial and emotional and, and things can happen around you that will affect your happiness. So I like to use the word peace. Yeah. You know, and, and if you, if you check, because you can have a bad day and still be at peace, sure can. but you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And so, you know, as, as Christians, you know, we're called to God's just, he's not as concerned with our happiness as he is our holiness. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you know, as a Christian, it does not mean you're guaranteed that, you know, Paul was in prison. He wrote most of the new Testament like, right. and, and he wrote a lot of those letters from prison. Right. And, um, yeah, it's because he knew what was important. What was the what was the priest's name that was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, and he would volunteer to take the beatings for others, and he'd never cry out, and uh, they hated him, so they put him underneath in this cellar, underneath one of the deals, and he eventually went blind and everything else. But they came in to kill him because he was singing all the time. Yeah. And they were like, You're, you you got to kill him. He's, right. he's yeah. cheering everybody up. Right. The guy had such peace. He knew who he served and right. what the meaning of life was. Yeah. And it ain't. You, you can't know, kill living. that out of somebody. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. And that's just, I mean, I guess ultimately, whenever, at the end of the day, whenever I think about what's going on in the world and, and uh, get nervous about, you know, communist presidents meeting up, I, I just think <laughs> that, you know, nations will rise and fall, but, you know, God's word endures forever. And like he's not surprised. Right. That was another thing my preacher said. That's exactly like he knows, like he knew the Whoa. one nine was going to happen. Yep. He knew that was coming. Yep. So he's not surprised. So, um, but I, I, anyway, it'll be tough. But yeah, I'm old man. <laughs> I do I, every day. I'm like, man, what would he do? But golly, I'm just glad he doesn't have to. So right before my dad this. died, we were talking about things, and he said, "Glenn, I, you know, he was born in 1926. He said, I've seen a lot. <clears throat> I remember the Depression. I was there, World War, uh, World War Two. My dad fought in World War One. I. I was there for the good times. I saw Martin Luther King killed." I've lived through the 70s and Reagan. I said, I've seen it all. He said, and I've always told you, don't worry. You'll make it. Yeah, We've sure. been here before. Yeah, sure. <laughs> then, this is like, like a few weeks before he dies. And he said, but this time I'm glad I'm not going to be around very much longer because <laughs> I have no idea how you guys are going to work this out. <laughs> like, Dad, stop. Right, yeah. will you? Well, it's like... <sighs> Pliny, the he's a mm-hmm. philosopher. He's like, this is the worst generation yet. You know. Well, that was however long. Every generation, and your dad and and, mm-hmm. and my dad, like you know, their generation said that about this upcoming generation. But like, at what point is somebody right? You know, like yeah. But don't you like, think? That, I think. That, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. Go ahead. You know, I think it's it's our duty to to find you know 
find hope and give give this next generation an, an, an answer you know and be leaders in that thing and so that's what i'm trying to do that's what i'm trying you know maintaining you know my peace in the midst of these things and that's what mm-hmm. my pastor told me he was like mm-hmm. it's not whether or not you're going to go through that trial you're you're they're going to watch you and how you go through it mm-hmm. is what's going to be important and that'll be your legacy mm-hmm. and so i don't know what's coming but i think what's important is how we navigate through it like you exactly said right. like you were saying earlier do the right thing for the right reasons and live with the consequences mm-hmm. um I, it's uh uh it's interesting to me that we are everybody's always down on this generation but i know history well enough to know that the World War I generation thought the World War II generation, there were nothing but they, right? You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they just thought they were just worthless. But then they did their deal. Correct. And I and I I wondered with my dad. We talked about this. I said, Dad, if you if you lived through what's coming. Do you think that would be a blessing or curse? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I think in my generation, I've never had to fight for the country. Yes, sir. I've, I've, I've had things come to me relatively easy. I mean, I've worked hard for everything I have, but anyone in America, even yes, the sir. poorest, we are so fortunate. Um, and I think our generation is actually um, we're not as blessed because we've never until now, we've never had our, as a generation back up against the wall. Yeah. Punched in the face. Right. And so you don't know who you really are until you have nothing left and you either have to be a bowl of jello or stand up and be, you know, Lincoln was not the big statue. You know, y- yes, he sir. was a guy who was freaked out just as much as I would be freaked out. Hundred percent, all of them were. Yeah, after the fact, you're after just like, the, oh, yeah. okay, that well, yeah, I did that. Uh, that was obvious. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. should have. But while he's going through it, terrified. Yeah, terrified. And so I, I think that we give the younger generation, and people look at us and say, I don't know. And honestly, when push comes to shove, you remember Saving Private Ryan? Oh yeah. I've always been afraid that I would be that guy who was on the stairs that just was crying and just frozen. hundred percent. Right. Yes. And you won't know until you're in that situation. Yes, sir. And it scares me that maybe that's who I am. Right. You know? Um, Yeah. So had this exact same, we were talking about this topic with Marcus and uh, because I'm curious, you know, because it, I was thinking like, man, if they're coming over here, if anybody was going to attack this country, you know, please do it now while we've got these guys that like a Marcus Luttrell, you know, to Mm -hmm. lead us because like we've got, I've got a buddy uh, that I rodeoed with and he, he's going into Iraq and he's the first Marine fighting in Iraq and the, all the guys around him never seen battle, you know? Well, now we got 20 years of some, some, patriots that like they know how to handle them and so anyways i'm talking to marcus about this and i was like um like are you nervous about the ne-? and and he said um he said no like an, a resounding absolutely not and he pointed at i had two interns there that are younger and he pointed at he's like this generation right here they're gonna handle it they're gonna handle it and uh 
and I hadn't really thought about it like that. And it was just this wave of hope mm-hmm. that I had. And, um, and I was like, man, you're right. You know? And, and, uh, and I was, I'm not like a, I don't, you know, part of my friends, but I don't piss on this younger generation at right. all. Like I've never yeah. done that. I'm just nervous about our future as an American, you know, yeah. but like to hear somebody like Marcus just say like, we're going to be all right. So have you, have you ever read the, uh, fourth turning is fourth turning. I think it's, called. I've heard of it. I've not, I've not read okay, it. Okay. So no, it's fat. It'll give you a lot of hope. It, it, they've taken this, um, pendulum swing that is in economies. It's in, it's, it's, it's a wave that just happens. Okay. And, um, and this one group of scientists started looking at the generations over this 80 to a hundred year swing. Yes, sir. Okay. And they, they broke them up into four different categories. Yes, sir. Well, the one now that's coming up, you're probably in it, is the hero generation. Yes, sir. Um, and that last time that happened was World War II. Yes, sir. And there is something about them. Yes, sir. You know, just, you know, the hippie generation that just burns things down and tears it <laughs> apart. That, that generation happened 80 years before right. in the, you know, in, in history all around the world it's crazy it it's this thing it's uh to summarize i think uh strong men make good times uh weak men make bad times there you go something yes, like sir. that make yeah, hard yeah. times no wait, strong wait. men make soft time hard men make soft times uh, <laughs> soft, ten, soft times make soft men. Man, soft men make hard, hard times. times. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and that's true. Yes, sir. That's true. And we, and I believe it to be true. You know, and and everything I do in business and in life, you know, which I'm not saying I've perfected this, but I try to think what will I wish I had done. Like I don't want to learn a lesson the hard way. <laughs> and and uh, um, like I want to listen to that's part of the reason why I seek wise counsel, you know, especially in business, mm-hmm. not necessarily because I, I've got some goal of, you know, owning my own island. I don't. But essentially, like I've got 17 employees that depend on me who I would like to keep employed. It's huge responsibility. Isn't it? it is. It's heavy. It's really heavy. heavy. And um, so I try to make decisions. What will I wish I had done? And I, I that's what I think about with this country. Like I would hate for us to learn a lesson the hard way, you know, which there's, we're learning some now and, and we have learned some. Um, the thing that I just. Is there a way to learn? Is there a way to really learn? I mean, I've been very successful for about 10 years and did I thought the same kind of things and was not successful for 10 years. And I look at that and go, I didn't really learn anything. Yes, sir. Here. I learned it. Hard times made us, you know, you really learn things. Yes, sir. Well, and I think there's certain situations and maybe this happened in your story at certain times where it's just like, there's things that are completely out of your control, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, that, that, there's a little bit, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but there's a different kind of piece about it where it's just like, 
all right, well, I couldn't avoid a meteor hitting my warehouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's certain things you, like do, that. You're, I mean, you're a Christ guy, so you, you relate to this. I used to. I love that phrase, by the way. That's cool. That, I don't know if you, do you use Christ that guy? Christ no, guy. No, no but I you like are. that. I like that. So, um, uh, I used to really have a vision, and then I'm driving that way, and I want to go that way, and this is my plan. And I would not take no for an answer. Yes, sir. And now I explore. I pray about it and I explore. And then, uh, you know, for instance, uh, uh, I just had this feeling recently that, um, that, uh, that success, but it, I don't, don't mean it money-wise or fame-wise, that success on what we're trying to do is coming on this particular thing. And I was talking to my wife and I said, but I have no idea what God thinks success is. So go. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Whatever happens when you can get to a place where you're like, I did everything that I thought you were telling me to do. Lord. So I tried my best. And And you know what? This is going to take me someplace I would have never taken me. That's crazy. It's it's. Yeah, it's, I mean, not to just keep going back to the, the Holocaust, but I, I can't remember the book. You'll probably know it. I'm sure this story, but there's a, a, I believe she might have been a Christian that was helping Jews, but she's in a camp. Corey Ten Boom. And where she's in that and she's like, I'm in this camp and then the fleas yep. come and she's yep. just like, all right, come on, God, fleas. Right. And she's just like, you know what? I better thank God for the fleas. And so she writes and, you know, she writes and thanks the Lord for the fleas. Well, come to find out there was a a guard that was going around raping Mm -hmm. women and uh, he didn't go there because he didn't want to get fleas. And so the the story that and my pastor told me that I've been looking for the book ever since. It is. I can't remember what it's by Corey Ten Boom. And uh, and there's a great movie that came out in the 70s. I think Billy Graham actually funded it dang uh and it's it's really good the movie's right. good the book is you know better obviously yes, but the the movie is really good I, I think it's you know and in business um one of my mentors he said it, you know it's kind of like pouring water on a table and you just see where it goes but essentially like you might end up somewhere where you never imagined in the first place but going back like you said it's if it's hard if you're if you look through life and success through the lens of money you, you it may not end up the way you want it to but and we have already, money isn't happiness. Correct. I don't want to die rich and milk toast. My lawyer keeps telling me, well, he has told me, he doesn't keep telling me because I don't listen to him, but he said eventually, you know, to grow my business, I live in a town of 500 and um, we've got a little warehouse. It is, you know, just all in God's plan that I even got it, but and people have to commute. And he was like, man, you, eventually you're going to have to move your operation, you know, to a city or, or somewhere. And no, you don't. I'm just not going to do it. Good. You know, bigger's not always better. Better is better. And, and what, <clears throat> what have, because you, I mean, small town, just regular guy working on a ranch. What's changed for you? Have you, what's, what's, how are you better? And how, what are the worries about you because of the changes in your life? Uh, you may not want to share that, but. No, I don't mind sharing. I mean, like, I, it's really just the weight of, so I've got, there's decisions every day. 
you know, like as a, you probably have way more than I do, but essentially like there's these decisions that after they're made and they're successful, the public can look and be like, oh yeah, well that was a no brainer. You know, like he was just lucky. But, and then if you fail, they're like, oh, well that was a no brainer. You shouldn't have made that decision. But like when you're in the decision, it's, it's very difficult, you know, and you're trying to make a decision about business where it's like, you know, now all of a sudden like these six figure decisions that are, they're heavy. And like these 17 employees are depending on that to be successful. And one of the big ones, which I, whether it was on this podcast or not, I wanted to ask you about is just like leverage. And like, so most of my business, like I try not to use it at all, like credit or debt or at all, but there's other parts where I've thought that it might be okay to use it and not don't. Yeah. It never, I mean, that's the only thing that saved me is debt free. Really? Debt free. Gotta be debt free. You, you just don't, don't, it's not worth it. Once you do it, then others, you know, I don't have a boss. Yes, sir. Uh, well, kind of, because I don't own my house outright. So right. my boss is my bank. Which, yeah. so I do see that. But what if it was like, even for instance, like a rent house? Where it's like an income producing property or something like that. Or you're just saying never. So I don't, I don't like debt. Gotcha. I don't like debt. But, uh, and I think debt's going to work against us. But there's not a problem, you know, having, there, there's reasonable amount of debt. Right. You know what I mean? You bet. And if it's reasonable amount of debt, then I don't think, and it's making money, then I don't necessarily think that's bad. But I shy away from it you myself. Um, you know. We, at one point, I had 250 employees, and my wife and Dang. I, we did not sleep. When it comes to bad time, we did not sleep, because I saw the face of every employee and the children and everything else, and I thought, oh, my right. gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. That's heavy. It's really, it heavy. is. I, uh, again, that's why people should not hate people business people especially at the lower end (laughs) you're struggling you don't know you're doing your best i have not met an entrepreneur at a you know smallish level i'm sure when you get to be a ceo and you're everybody's faceless i'm sure it's different but i don't know anyone who owns a company and sleeps well at night in hard times and it's not because of them I've got my, my, my right-hand man, so to speak, woman, She's uh, her name's Lisa. She's a single mom, five kids, you know, and we joke, like, I'll go into a little call or something, and she manages the warehouse floor, and, you know, she's my number two, so she's technically in charge of everyone else, 16 people, and and uh, yeah, the other day, she was like, uh, all right, have fun. We're depending on you. You know, you know, and and it's just a joke because she knows what I think about mentally. But it's crazy just at the end of the day, like now it's like, you know, I'm the evil one. No, you know, in some people's eyes because of capitalism and, you know, the free enterprise, like now all of a sudden. But at the end of because I would have thought, like, for instance, if you made a million dollars, you got a million dollars. You know, (laughs) the younger me, that's what I would have thought. Well, now it's like, no, you might have ninety thousand. Yeah. You know, like you might ten yeah. percent net yeah. is like that's and so like that's just basic. Yeah, yeah, I'd be. Oh, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, ten percent. You're netting ten percent. Right. And then, well, I think that's why people sometimes before taxes. Yeah, and government's like, well, we need part of that. <laughs> right. We need part of that ninety. Yeah. yeah. And it's what's crazy is uh, the fact that 
people know this. When they ask the question, should the tax, should the rich pay their fair share? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Sure. What is their fair share? Right. Do you think 30%, it usually stops around 30. Do you think 30% is fair for people to be taxed? They usually say no. Once you hit 40 and 50%, they always say no. Right. And then you go back to them and say, did you know that's what the rich are paying? <laughs> exactly. They're, sh- they're stunned by yeah. it. They're People stunned by it. People just don't know. Right. No, that's what's, it's, it's crazy. And I understand, I mean, just some of it makes no sense, but um, I'm just, that's what I'm trying to navigate. But that's why, I think that's why your, your faith, that's where your faith comes in. Yes, sir. Because if you just try to serve him yes sir you can look at the failures that you'll have and go he's bringing he he, i've counseled with him and i did my best and maybe i misheard him but you know billy graham said to me um we were talking and um uh he was just amazing i can't imagine oh he's amazing and um we were sitting in his house and he looked at me with like these like twinkly blue eyes and he went, you know, I'm not afraid to die. And you could see it. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like excited. He said, although the actual dying part scares me, being dead doesn't scare me. Right, right. You know, and uh, uh, we were talking and uh, he said, I'm not afraid to die. And I said, oh, I can tell. And he said, you know what? Everything that I've done wrong, every mistake, everybody I've hurt, everything, that all came from me. Everything good I've done. There you go. Came from him. Right. He said, and I know the difference. And he knows I've tried to do the right thing. Right. And I think it hurts more when you try the right thing and you get bashed for it. Right. Um, but you can let it go. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain piece that comes along with like being in prison for, I'm sure I've not been in prison for being a Christian, but you know, like in Paul's situation. But, and the other thing too is just a testament. I'd prefer not anyway. to be in prison for any reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were going to say, say Oh, it. just, just like, it, it kind of getting off topic. I was just thinking about Paul being, you know, as kind of the ultimate, like, He's persecuted for his faith. He's in prison. And all he really had to do was just denounce it, you know, and, and they let him out kind of deal. And uh, it's just a, a testament to somebody that holds true to their values. So, but, you know, I talked to a Chinese dissident once um, and f- persecuted unbelievably for their Christianity. And uh, I said, uh, how can we pray for you? And she said, oh, well, you know what? We're praying for the United States. And I said, no. And she said, uh, that you, uh, well, she didn't say collapse, but basically that you lose your wealth. And I was like, uh, okay, that's what? Right. <laughs> and she said, you've forgotten who you are. Yeah. She said, and only till the Lord brings you down and humbles you. Mm-hmm. Will you remember? And then you'll rescue the rest of the world again. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a, an exciting time 
if we can stay humble. Yeah, I, uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and the getting punched in the face part, you know, it, I just keep wondering, like, is this as hard as we've been punched? You know, like, when are we, when is it time to, you know, like, we're is there, long, we're not even at the bar yet. So we haven't been punched yet. Oh, gotcha. We're not even yeah. at the bar. That's yet. what I was afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. And we just have to be, you know, what's amazing to me is how many Christians I know that say they have faith. And yet you'll say, you just got to do the right thing and know that the Lord has it. That, yeah, that's great. But it's not going to work. And you're like, yeah, what's not going to work? You right. don't, all of a sudden you don't believe in the power of God. That is truly the only thing that can save us. But he won't until we all turn back to him and go, okay, I give, I give, I give. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, there's, there's definitely, you know, like in the Bible, it talks about just certain countries and leaders and people that, you know, just kind of continually disrespect the Lord. And there's, there's certain things that happen like, Lord, hopefully, you know, I don't know who you're looking at in this country, but hopefully there's some of there's us, a group of people mm-hmm. in the country that are, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying that I'm living shiny enough to, to be given that grace right. by any means. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is hopefully there are some people that are living that kind of life are. where, you know, we can, you can buy some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, What's next for you? Um, You know, we've got, <clears throat> You know, Netflix could call tomorrow about a season two. They could call in two years. You know, they kind of do what they want, and uh, they're great to work with, but you never know what they're going to do. Um, and so either either that or, you know, there's been talks of some other shows coming up, but at the end of the day, like that, those kind of calls, like they'll come and they'll go. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. My daily grind is is I've got a media team, and we just we put out content on the Internet every mm-hmm. day. And um, I don't have a monetary goal. You know, I have a content goal. Um, I think that like. That's the right way to do it. I I feel like if I were to set like an income goal, it would put too much pressure on my Mm -hmm. sales, which then is like, no, let's bring the value first. And then the sales, let them fall where they may. You know, so from that point on, it's just me navigating the back end supply Mm -hmm. chain issues, same as everybody else. Um, But yeah, just trying to be wise with what little I, I am blessed with as a businessman and then just try to be comedic, positive, uplifting voice in a, you know, be a light in a dark world mm-hmm. for people like that. That's, it's a slow growth, but you know, it, I think it's impactful and it, it's created a loyal following and, and um, just try to daily bring value. So can I ask you a question on, um, you know, my wife and I watched that show. What was it? Grey's Anatomy for years. Good God. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you watch it for a while and you think you're a doctor. Oh, I know <laughs> what they do. They just have to, you know. And every doctor, every nurse I've ever talked to went, it is the most agonizing show. Right. It's, it's nothing like that. Right. When you watch Yellowstone, are you, are you just like, Please, for the love of Pete. How much of that show can you enjoy? Oh, you know, I mean, there's parts of it that, 
knowing what I know about showbiz, maybe yeah. I'm a little bit more lenient on some of the things yeah, you yeah, might yeah. be talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, they're messing with that baby calf and that baby calf jumps up and kind of runs off. And, right. and you know, obviously the calf is at least nine days old, 10 days old kind of calf, which is completely, I mean, it's, it's, right. it's TV, you know. And so, uh, you know, I give a little bit of, I give a little bit of grace there. Uh, but, you know, Taylor Sheridan, that put that show together like he is a cowboy and he does isn't it weird is it just me that the storyline is that kevin costner is trying to save his ranch and this season he is trying to save it by making it famous for horses and he's got to find a way to make it famous so it stands for something and here we have the four sixes taylor sheridan who owns the four sixes is making the four sixes famous <laughs> by putting it into this show about a ranch trying to make a ranch famous to save it is it i mean it's a little weird isn't it? it's well it's it's definitely like makes you think like oh i gotta see what's next yeah which is i think the whole yeah. the whole point of it but as far as like a ranch with a, a noticeable brand like that's the one you know like they're definitely see, people outside of texas don't know the four sixes is like the they'll know king ranch maybe uh-huh. but that's not the ranch in tech i mean it's a good ranch but right that's not the ranch four sixes is the right ranch, well which is why why well they've they, i mean the tradition that comes with that ranch and the integrity behind the brand so um the four sixes brand meaning like actual integrity of the people that run it but then also the quality of of the horse the qual- their their horse program is crazy bar none like they have a remuda sale in october and it's just the absolute best horses in the industry that you can imagine their cow their cow calf operation that they have their i mean just everything they do is is to the nines but they've been doing it for hundred years is the thing but right there that's a cluster there's a lot of ranches right in there you know pitchfork ranches right next to it tongue river you know begs there's all these ranches it's cow country and so that that's another thing that that um and the way that these cowboys that's that's kind of the difference in cowboys is the country you know you'll find cowboys in arizona and in wyoming in louisiana that you know they're all cowboys but the grass is different Hmm. and so how they cowboy is different um, but most often, you know, the values that they stand for are the same. So, but, but the four sixes, it's, it's always been one where that area in there of West Texas, like it's just when, when I was, like I said, when I was born, my dad, we lived on West camp at the pitchfork, which I mean, they've got it, they share a fence line. And, uh, and so those were the values that I was raised on. And so watching my old man, that's kind of where I, where I picked up on that, but it, it was a, it was a neat thing to get to, but it is a pleasure. Well, to talk I, to you. I wanted to ask you. I don't know how much time we have, but about your book, um, the I Great Reset. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we we may not. I have will a get lot you. Time, a, yeah, but. I'll, I'll get you a copy of it. <laughs> I will tell you that uh, it is our World War Two. Yes, sir. If we don't learn this. You and bet. do it and find ourselves to each other, we're done. Yes, sir. And it's coming fast. Yes, sir. And a year and a half ago, we started doing research on it. And I thought, I right. can't really. Yeah. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And they don't, they're not afraid. 
they're not afraid to admit it. I mean, and it's all out in the open. It's all there. Well, now that Mark Luttrell's like my best friend, I fancy He's myself a, a, a seal and I run. <laughs> I, I'm pretty much a seal. You're probably I take the a, best seal. Pro, yes. Yes. I take a 30 second cold shower in the morning and then I run like three quarters of a mile. Yeah. So I'm, you know, pretty much well, made it I through base training. I take a cold shower and then I run 10 miles, and but it doesn't look like it. But Well, I, <laughs> well, I listen to books when I'm running. Really? And so that needs to be my next book. Yeah. Is it on? Yeah, it comes out Monday listening? on Audible. It'll be on yeah. Audible? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So Nice. Thank yep. you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's you been a pleasure. Mind. Yes, Thank sir. You. Just a reminder... I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.